fleet of hundreds of ships approaches the chalky coastline of England. On board, under pointed helmets, are over 4,000 Norman archers, infantry soldiers, and knights, with horses stabled below deck. The fleet carries the banner of their leader, Duke William. It is September 1066. Over the next two and a half weeks, a new king will be crowned, a new culture imposed, a new relationship between the island of Britain and the rest of Western Europe will be forged, and it will last for centuries. This is the story of the swarthy, fearless William the Conqueror, and it soon became the story of England. There is one king in English history where history begins for what we call England later on, the United Kingdom, and later on than that, Great Britain. And the king who they credit with having started it all wasn't really the first guy on the scene, but he was the winner of the last successful conquest of the British Isles. And it happened so long ago that it's actually remarkable this place hasn't been conquered since, and some pretty strong people mm. have tried. And his name is William the Conqueror as a result. And the famous date that everybody can recite by memory in England, if you've been to school there, is 1066. Battle of Hastings. That's right. So this guy was born um, in like the real depths of the Middle Ages. This was when the Vikings had just started to lose their power and authority and their, the fierce, frightening terror that they would instill in the hearts and minds of so many people in Europe. Europe was becoming the Europe that we would know through the Middle Ages. And William was born to a pretty powerful man. His father, Robert, was Robert the Devil, they called him. Mm. Was a, a, a quite fearsome guy, a descendant of Rollo the Viking. That's why they were called Normans. And he was the Duke of Normandy. And he and William's mother never actually married. And that's why in, the, in his earlier life, he was called William the Bastard. That's right, and he hated that He title. hated that name. Didn't like being called William the Bastard. No. I mean, who would? No, 100% <laughs> right. So, and, and, you know, he hurt a few people uh, that called him that. Yeah. But what I really like about the story is, first of all, you know, Roel is one of the people in history that I've really enjoyed. So he was the Viking that he came at the, ta- the heart of the Vikings, and they would always go and pillage. And but didn't they even they attack Paris? Yes, one, one they, they, he went all the way to Paris. And then the king, the weak French king, as they seem to be mostly – this is Charles the Simple. Charles the they Simple. Charles the yeah. Simple. He must have been very uninteresting. Well, he was <laughs> quite simple, and he just paid him off a, a handsome sum. Then he turned the tables. You protect us against any more Viking invasions, and I'll give you this piece of land. And that land became Normandy. Right. And he settled in there. Now, his great-great-great-grandson was William. So there's, there's definitely good blood. On the other side, his mom's dad was a tanner. So, yeah, so they had to help somewhere. Her name was Herleva, right? And she, yeah, she was the daughter of this guy who just, he ran a leather business. Mm. And in fact, there's a famous story about how William uh, was attacking a certain city because the people there were smacking leather against the walls to taunt him. And so he cut off all their heads and hands. Yes. As a, as a warning. He didn't like this reminder that he didn't come yeah, from the blood. Yeah, he was fiercely loyal to his mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. And he was fiercely loyal to his wife later on as well. Correct. So actually, a rare example of a guy who respected and admired Mm. and looked after the reputation of women 
at a time where that yeah. was not the norm. No, no, hundred percent right. Although, interestingly enough, um, she didn't pick him, so he he picked her, but she wasn't really that interested. Uh, so, His wife, yeah, yeah, Matilda. Matilda. And so she wasn't very interested. I'm not sure why, or maybe she was playing hard to get. But then what happened was she rode through town, and then he grabbed her by her two ponytails, and he pulled off her horse. Well, how romantic. Yeah, that's what he did. And then after that, they had 10 children together. So it's, yeah, I think that worked out <laughs> well in the end. <laughs> A little bit of violence in those days didn't go miss. Yeah, it was almost like yeah. the caveman. He should drag, yeah. <laughs> drag people into the well, cave. Well, I mean, apart, okay, so apart from his questionable behavior towards women william the conqueror is most well known to us for what happened later on in his life Correct. but he was he became duke of normandy at a very young age because his dad died when he was what younger than 10 i think yeah eight he was eight years old when his dad and running normandy was no easy task there were lots of people and the church who were constantly trying to usurp his authority and when there's someone young in a position of authority like being the duke of normandy then there are lots of people who try to take advantage and they did. He obviously got people to run it for him when he was younger. King Henry of France was one of them. Now, let's just remember France at this stage was not France. France was just one of the kingdoms because mm. Brittany was another kingdom in the northern part of France. Correct. Aquitaine was another kingdom. It was all very fractious. So king of France wasn't like you were the supremely powerful overlord who commanded everything from the English Channel mm. to the Mediterranean. It was just a kind of province itself but this guy had a substantial army king henry yeah and he helped a lot so he basically stabilized it and together with his mom's brother who helped him and hid him in, it was very i mean you must know you're eight years old yeah and you need to survive so basically his, his mom's brother got him through this difficult period at a very young age then he started taking control and uh he was knighted still in his teens by henry uh, he's a formidable and a brave young man i mean by no yeah. means a you know, guy shirked his responsibilities and didn't mind a bit of a fight. Yeah, he did. And his great great grandfather was a giant of a man. Yeah. And he also ended up quite fat. And yes, same thing happened to William. Th- and William actually was more like a bubble in the end, but yeah, he was, but he was a big guy and he was, he was very strapping when he was young as well. So he used to, he used to use his weight and strength. Um, he was always first in the fights or, or there and thereabouts. It's incredible led from the front. So some of these chroniclers who've written about him described him as being very robust and stout and sturdy. Mm. And he could ride a horse and he could swing a sword and he was basically unmatched on the battlefield. Yeah, he was scary. And, he was and, and again, fearless, which must come from the Vikings. Yeah. So it's interesting that he became the ancestor of all those kings after him on the English throne, all the way down to the current Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth, there's, there's some there's Viking, Viking blood. Yeah, 100%. Strong Viking blood. Well, you can see it sometimes. So, <laughs> so, so this guy, after he'd more or less settled Normandy, which is not the most interesting part of his story, so if you don't mind, we'll breeze through it a little bit. He'd been promised by King Edward the Confessor, who was the King of England, a very saintly and devout, pious man who built mm. Westminster Abbey and was obsessed with being godly and good. And he was as weak as all shit. Oh, useless. So he promised William, mostly because William and his father had protected them during the time that the Danes were invading and causing all kinds of chaos in England. He said to William, look, I'm childless. When I die, you can inherit England. Because he'd also been fighting with this guy, Harold, and his family, the Godwinsons. So William thought, cool, I'll inherit England. That sounds like a good deal. Sure. We'll look after you here in the meantime while the Danes are busy attacking. Anyway, the Danes eventually were repelled and Edward was made king of England. And he forgot this promise that he'd made to William and to his father. William didn't forget. 
And because Edward had become friends again with Harold Godwinson, he decided, I'll let Harold take over after I die. So he named him as a successor when he eventually did hop the peg. And this was not good. William was pretty angry about this. But just before that happened, Harold was passing through his area of Normandy. Mm. And so he invited him, or sounded a little bit more than invited him, and requested that he make a promise that he will inherit, yeah. not Harold. But so William, William was really making sure that everybody you know, knew he wants to just cross the I's and dot the T's. <laughs> However, it didn't go that way, and William was pissed off enough to start planning an invasion. What had happened in the meantime is since Edward the Confessor died, Harold was back to fighting the Danes. This is complex because Harold inherits the throne, but Harold's own brother, Tostig, is with the Danes. Mm. This poor guy couldn't catch a break either. Yeah. He's got William breathing down his neck from Normandy. He's just been nominated as the successor to Edward the Confessor. His own brother is working with the Danes, who've and landed, with, who've and landed William. In, in Yorkshire and are starting to move down towards London. So he rushes with his army up to meet Harold Hadrada and Tostig. He has to fight them at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. And which he does is a, well. Apparently, this battle was something else. There was mm. one Viking berserker who stood on the bridge and managed to fight off 40 guys on his own. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know who that well, guy yeah. was. We don't know who he is. Yeah. He's lost to history, but it was one berserker. And eventually, Harold is victorious. He manages to defeat these guys. But now his army's exhausted. And he hears news that William the Conqueror is about to land in the south. But what happened with, with William was things happened slowly in these well, times. Well, they didn't have telephones. No, they didn't. No, it, you couldn't WhatsApp the guys. No, exactly. Hey, have you finished with Harold? Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. about to land on your <laughs> south coast. But what happened was he was hunting when he heard the news that Edward had passed away and that Harold was now king of England. So he was massively upset. So he got his army together, his, his big gang, charged off to the coast to sail across and the winds weren't favorable. <laughs> so all that energy, ah, rah, 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 they, then they waited for a month. Finally, after a month, the winds turned and he, then, he, then he popped across. But it worked out well for him. Yeah, 100%. Because if Harold hadn't been fighting up in the north and then had to suddenly divert it would have been south, a much different he would story, have had a much bigger army and he might have been able to win. Yeah, because it was already a close-fought thing. So William lands at the coast at a place called Pevensey, just past the White Cliffs of Dover, famously. And he heads across to Hastings. And Harold is already set up on a hill there called Senlac Hill, which is famous. You can go and visit it today. There's an abbey on that was built there by William in the end. And the, the fighting starts in the morning and it carries on all day. And William does this thing where, well, he didn't do it on purpose, but half of his guys decided to cut and run. And they run away straight into the cavalry who then fight the shield wall of, of Harold's. And William reckons, oh, this is quite a good plan because mm. if I can make them think I'm retreating, then they break the shield wall, they come down from the hill, and then we can cut them yeah. up with our cavalry. He does it about two or three times, so these guys weren't very bright. Mm. And everything's going pretty well, but it's still quite evenly matched. Then the the most decisive thing happens. Harold gets struck in the eye with an arrow, goes straight through his eye, into his brain, it's famously depicted on the Bayeux Tapestry, which you can still see in the museum there. And that's the moment where everything changes. Because what are they fighting for if Harold's dead? Mm. And then William obviously 
he routes them. But he was also close to routing well, the. His l- bro- he killed his brother. Listen, William had to show everybody he was still alive yes. at one point by lifting his his helmet off. Yeah, he had to say, "I'm here. I'm alive." Yeah, you know, these guys thought he was dead at yeah. one point. They were going to exit stage mm. left. So it was a very close run thing. Yeah. And frankly, if this is the conquest of Britain and the only conquest since 1066 and it came down to this closer thing, it's quite an achievement. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> we'll Look, give I mean, it to Exactly. Him. After that, he establishes castles everywhere. He replaces the Anglo-Saxon nobility with his own Norman nobility. But it wasn't easy either because he kept these little rumblings and insurgencies oh, everywhere. And yeah. then the Scandinavians came back as well. well. Look, poor William. So I say poor William, but as soon as he subdued England, Normandy would rise yeah. up. As soon as he subdued Normandy, England would mm. rise up. It was, and he never really put them all into one administration. England ran on its own. And for a long time, he had his brother Odo running things there. Normandy ran a different way. They had different monetary systems, different mm. courts, different forms of law. He also had Maine, which was uh, another province he had to run. Yeah. And, and Britannia, that, he also acquired Britannia as well prior to that. I think he got tired. I mean, mm. <laughs> administration uh, wasn't – he liked conquering, not administering. But the big thing was, like everything in history, the historians that are the detractors and the historians that love him. And mm. the harrying of the North was something that some people have termed genocide. And, yeah. you know, that was really where he was cruel, etc. But they just kept poking the tiger. You know, if you if you try and read what, what actually happened, they kept poking the tiger. He was so mad. So he basically just took out the whole of York. The Danes couldn't come back because there was nothing they could live off. Um, he basically just destroyed everything and anything in that area. And then they say he, he killed thousands upon thousands of people during that actual period. They also say some of the people who don't like him, some of the chroniclers, said that he cleared vast areas just so that he could hunt there, like the New Forest, for example. Because mm, he loved the deer. He cleared people yeah. out. Yeah. Now, whether that's true or not, or whether those places were sparsely populated in the first place is a matter of some conjecture. But either way, William was definitely one of these people who made things happen, mm. whether you liked him or not. His problem also was his family. He had three sons. Two of them would become kings of England. The eldest one, Robert, was like a thorn in his side. Mm, he kept trying to overthrow him. He was, uh, yeah, a real shithead. And, uh, I mean, he went on the first crusade. And when he got back, he was constantly fighting with his father. And then his his Brother William II inherited after William I, and he wasn't very good at at running England either. He was probably one of the most hated kings in English mm. history. And then eventually his third son, Henry I, became mm. you know a proper king yeah. of England and married a Saxon princess, and from there on things were a little bit more stable. But the story of William's death is also pretty horrible. They say he crushed one of his balls against the pommel of his saddle yeah. while on horseback. He was also, by that stage, quite fat. He realized he wasn't going to last very long. Gave William England, gave Robert Normandy, and gave Henry money. Mm. And then lay in bed, waiting to go. And all his courtiers just left. He died on his own. Mm. There was no one else around when he actually died. Yeah, because Henry took his money and ran. Uh, They didn't stay long. No. All the sons, they were, yeah. They didn't care. Yeah. And then he died on his own. And they say that when they were trying to bury him, William, in Khan, that it was a very big coffin and they hadn't made enough space for it. And they tried to squeeze the body in yeah, and it, it burst. Yeah. 
and apparently it filled the entire cathedral with a terrible smell. Yeah, they all Everybody ran, ran out. <laughs> this is not a very dignified no, way to go. No, it's not. <laughs> but let's not remember him that way. No, I mean, they said 25%, a quarter of the people in England are descended from William. Yeah. People in America who've come from England, it's just, it runs very deep, mm. you know, ancestry. And uh, Gareth, you possibly are descended from him. Definitely. Yeah, because uh, Plantagenet. A couple of lines, yeah. Yeah. He was really the father of modern England. And he made England the place that it was. It used to be much more Scandinavian influenced mm. in the years preceding 1066. But after 1066, the biggest influence on England was France. Yeah. The nobles all spoke French because of William. They had French laws brought in. They had different forms of taxation brought in, real because feudalism. The, because the Normans were very organized. Mm. So he brought that to England. He basically started the road for when England became a great power. Yeah. And the Domesday, I never know if it's how to Do, pronounce they it. They say Domesday, but Doomsday, you, you spell it Domesday book. Yeah, Domesday book where, where it's still today. I mean, it's an incredible source of information. This is a thing he commissioned, um, and you can still see the Domesday book. Um, he commissioned this book which basically records – Every landholding in all of England, who owned it before, who owned it after he conquered the country, how many chickens they had, how many cows they had, mm. how much pasture they had. Every detail was written in there. They say it was because he wanted to keep track of mm. who owed him money. But he was very good at also putting his trusted and loyal people into positions of power. He created new titles and, and a whole new nobility. And those people are still largely the aristocracy of, of England to this very day. Yeah, and like you said right in the beginning, it was extremely fair. He was way ahead of his time in terms of from the gender perspective. He was better than anyone else at that time. Yeah. But by today's standards, he would still come up quite short. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think from that side, he, he was incredible. He had, look, he had a temper. And you'll see that temper runs all the way through to Edward the first, second, third. Yeah. But if you look at the period that he was in, maybe it's a bit harsh to treat him only on harrying of the north as genocide or cruel, massive cruelty. He did have a cruel streak, but I think it was mainly due to, you know, he just expressed him off. Well, yeah, you can also still see his building projects because he built so many castles. The most famous of those is obviously the White Tower at the Tower of London, which is still as he built it. The central keep of what would become Windsor Castle was also built by him. And there are many other buildings around England which owe their origin mm. to that period just after 1066. So you can go and visit the places that William would have walked through. And Westminster Abbey, he was coronated. He, he was crowned there, yeah. Harold was crowned there and then William. And okay. from William on, every English monarch has been crowned in crowned Westminster there. Abbey. So there's an unbroken line of almost a thousand years. Yeah, that's why I love this guy. Yeah. And he's also the inspiration for some of the Game of Thrones storylines because of this stuff he did to the north the way he conquered the way he sailed this huge fleet across the sea and decided to fight and take over the territory mm. and to this day i mean whether or not you are a fan of this conquest is still legitimately one of the ways that you establish your authority over a place and the current royal family of great britain the current queen elizabeth ii takes her authority by conquest from 1066, she's queen by conquest. In sure, her case, inheritance, incredible. but also conquest. So it's still a legitimate way for Jeez. you to make sure you're in charge. That's incredible.
Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, uh, after he'd been buried and burst and all that stuff, he didn't exactly lie in peace because there were about three or four times after that that the tomb was opened up. And during the French Revolution, all his bones were scattered all over the place. But they did find one leg bone. It's the only piece that's still left. But from it, they were able to deduce that he was quite a tall guy. He was quite strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get all of that just from his thigh bone. Amazing, eh? Yeah. Oh.